Never change. There are some truths that remain as it relates to our belief and faith in Jesus Christ. And we need to know who we believe in and why we believe it. But just before we turn our attention to God's word, would you just help me thank God for our praise team and help me thank God for our choir and our media ministry, our greeters, and each and every one of you, for it is good to be here. You know how I like to say it, this is the day the Lord has made, and we ought to rejoice and be and we re have reason to be glad because God has truly been good to each and every one of us. In fact, if you made it here, it's evidence that God has been good to you. And if you're just joining us uh, this week, you come to know that we are in a series in which we are reviewing the Christian doctrines, the doctrines of the church. And on today, we'd like to turn our attention to the gospel according to Matthew. That's where our message will begin, Matthew, the third chapter. And I just ask that you would put your finger there um, as we take our time to walk through the Word of God. For there is a very important doctrine that we're looking to address in our time together. If you're here on last week, you know that our senior pastor did a phenomenal job in teaching us about the theology of God. And now we look more at the character of God. We want to zoom in to what the Word of God teaches us as regards to, to the God that we serve and have come to love. There in Matthew, the third chapter. For today, we're going to be looking at the Trinity. Now, I have to give you this disclaimer. All right? Everybody look up. I need to give you the disclaimer. Okay? Um, we are going to cover several passages of Scripture in our time together. However, there are many more biblical passages of Scripture that teaches us about our Trinitarian doctrine. So that it might be of help to you, I've asked our media team if they would just pull those, those scriptures up, that they can put it on the screen right now. You can take your cell phones out. You can take a picture of that so that in your private time of study, you can go and review these passages of scripture and that you can learn in greater depth who our God is and all that he has declared unto us, who he's revealed to us in scripture as to his person. For today, we want to look at the Trinity. And you can already see that there is not enough time in a Sunday morning experience to cover all those passages. To all of our guests, I don't want you to disconnect, okay, because we understand that we, we are constrained by, by time. But we want to make sure that we get this truth into our spirit as we consider who God is. We sung it just now. When we're singing, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. All thy works shall praise thy name in earth and in sky and in sea. Then we said, holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. This was an important hymn in the life of the church and still is, as Reginald Hibbert had, he, he pen the words to this particular beloved hymn when he was growing concerned that the church that he was leading um, was 
not really clear on who the Bible declares God to be. And so he pens this hymn and set to the music of the Nicaea, which comes from the Nicene, which is the Nicene Creed, that affirmed in the Council of Nicene, the early church affirmed the deity of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit because there were some false teachings happening that was leading people away from the truth of who God is. One of the greatest pictures that we'll see as it relates to God God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is found in your copy of God's Word in the third chapter. Third chapter of Matthew, the 16th verse. This may be a familiar passage to some, for in this context, Jesus is now in the Jordan, and he is um, speaking with his cousin, John, who we know as John the Baptizer. And there in the 16th verse, Jesus is being baptized. And look at the scene in the setting as the text records it. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Holy Spirit, we're going to be talking about the Trinity. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we do thank you that you bless us one more time to gather in this sacred space. And as we turn our attention to your holy word, we ask, Father, that you would, you would breathe on us afresh, that we might see the revelation of who you are, that the truths of who you are will be deposited in our hearts and our minds as receptive soil, that it might produce fruit for your glory and your glory alone. Draw us closer to you as we learn more of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 2014, the New York Times released an article in which many collectors were angry at a Nodler company because after spending a multi-million dollars of their own money to collect paintings and artifacts, they came to find that the paintings that they had collected were really forgeries. They were, they were counterfeit. And the way they determined that the paintings were counterfeit, Doug, is because the name on the bottom of the painting was misspelled. <laughs> now, I know we, we laugh about that, but the truth is that many of us have a misconception of who God is because we've been believing in forgeries or false teachings about God. And in order to clear that up, we need to direct our attention to the Word of God. Because if you listen to popular opinion about who God is, they will give you a misunderstanding of who God really is. So we turn our attention to Scripture, which is what the church did in the early day, and what we are compelled to do now as we look at who God is. And I want to get some things right off the jump with us together. I want us to understand that God is one. Would you say that? God is one. You didn't say it together. Let's try that again. God is one. That's better. He's one, and he's revealed himself to us in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, 
and God the Holy Spirit. This is a triune doctrine. This is the Trinity as we know it, the Trinitarian doctrine that we study and we learn as believers, that the God that we serve, the God that we celebrate, the God that we sing about, the God that we've come to for the forgiveness of our sins is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let me go ahead and press this claim for a moment so that we understand this. First of all, we need to understand that there is one God. There is only one God. There is one true and living God. How many? Okay, I just want to make sure we're listening in here. There, there is one God. Our God, uh, our, our God who is, who is one, reveals himself in three, in three persons or personhoods. So the essence of God is one. The personhood of God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, I have to tell you that oftentimes we try our best to, to illustrate this truth of God. Uh, we, we try to, to, with finite minds, try to conceptualize what that is supernatural, that is that which is infinite. And we are unable to do it because there is no earthly example that can truly convey who God is. Now, we can learn about the characteristics of God through the Word of God. But there's no example I can give you outside of the mystery of the Trinity to let you know that there are some aspects of who God is that you have to take on faith. Okay, I, I knew I had to bring my own witnesses with this. Um, Augustine said it this way. He said, if you could fully understand it, it's not God. Uh, Luther said it this way. It is God who handles us, not we who handle God. One writer said the doctrine of the Trinity is to the Christian experience what grammar is to poetry. It establishes the structure and the framework and allows us to make sense of something which is far surpassing. It is the skeletal support of the Christian experience. The Christian experience of God was already there. Long before the doctrine of the Trinity was explained or articulated in the Council of Nicaea, the, 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 the truth of the Trinity was already in the pages of Scripture. And the doctrine casts light on the experience to help us understand when we truly have an experience with God. The doctrine of the Trinity. That our God is one God in three persons. Oh, and he's eternally in three persons. He's always been God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, and each person is fully God. I hope you got that, all right? This is essential to what we understand and believe. Our God is one. God is eternally three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and each person is fully God. We see it on the scene in the Jordan, don't you? For there, our Savior, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, God made flesh, uh, and dwelling amongst man, God loving us enough that he himself would come, born of a virgin, to exist on earth that we might behold his glory. As John says, the only glory begotten of the Father, that we might see him, that we might know him the person, in the person of the Messiah, the promised one, Jesus Christ, he came to earth. So God in flesh, incarnate God, came to earth. 
He came to earth, and now he's going into Jordan to be baptized by his cousin. Do you see the scene just yet? He's, he's there and seeing his cousin John, the baptizer, baptizing many, and Jesus then enters the Jordan. Now, John knows who Jesus is. So John says, now, now Jesus, uh, you should be baptizing me. I, I shouldn't be baptizing you, but I, I get King James right around here. But Jesus says, suffer to be so now. Uh, uh, so some of you don't have King James, I see. So it's okay. Because it's going to fulfill righteousness. And so at that moment, Jesus, our Savior, is baptized. Kind of, you see it? Uh, the Bible says, uh, and straightway coming out of the water, which means if it's straightway, then he was immersed in the water. So he's immersed in the water, and the Savior, the Word of God made flesh, comes up out of the water. The, the Son of God is ascending from the water. The Spirit of God is ascending upon the Son of God. I hope you got your Bible still open here. The Spirit of God is ascending on the Son of God in the form of a dove, not a do as a dove. He's coming in the form of a dove, sets on the Son, and then there's a voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Do you see the triune existence of God? You have the Son coming up out of the water. You have the Spirit descending upon the Son. You have the Father uh, uh, proclaiming and affirming, this is my Son. And in this we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let me go ahead and press my claim for a moment. If the God, if the God anyone else serves is not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we do not serve the same God. He shows us just in this, this snippet, this snapshot in the text that our God is a triune God. One, one scholar tried to figure this thing out, and, and you know how we do that. We, we try to, to figure some things out on our own to make it, make it um, palatable or, or understandable fully for ourselves. And, and uh, he said, you know, maybe I should try arithmetic, um, you know, math, mathematics, addition. Uh, one plus one plus one equals, oh, I heard some of you all on this side here. You, you need to try this again. I said one plus one plus one equals three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that doesn't work. Uh, for those listening online, they, they finally said three. Some of them had the wrong answer at first, but it's okay. Uh, I'm not going to look at you right now, all right? Uh, they said three, right? Um, and, and this would be a tritheistic kind of thought. And I want you to get this because for us to misunderstand or by error interpret who God is by saying God is three separate gods, that is in error. That's tritheism, okay? In the time of the Nicene Creed when it was written, there was another heresy going around called modalism, as though God existed in three separate modes. Um, somebody akin to uh, Transformers. Anybody know Optimus Prime? So, so he, just, he, just, he just rolls up in a scene and then he transforms and becomes uh, another, uh, the, the robot, the being. Um, but that's not how God is. God doesn't change masks where one day he's God the Father and the next day he's God the Son and the following day he's God the Holy Spirit. That's called modalism. It's an error and it is a heresy. We are people of a monotheistic belief, meaning that we Believe and understand that our God is one. That's Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6, 
If you had your, your Bibles open, I, I underline that for you, Deuteronomy 6 and 4, where uh, God says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Our God is one in essence. The God we serve, there is plurality in God. Let's go to the first book of the Bible, Genesis. Genesis, the first chapter. The heavenly council gathers together. The triune God comes in Genesis 1 and 26 through 27. And the text says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him male and female. He created them. Look again. God said, let us make man in our own image. It's interesting. We can, we can dive here, Wileen, for a moment because the reality is when you see let us, what you do see as an aspect of the Trinity or the triune existence of God is that God is always in perfect unity with every person in the Godhead. There's never a contradiction between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're always in perfect unity and they're always working on the same mission and together. And yet the text indicates plurality of persons, of, of beings. Right? The Father is recognized as God. Now, most of our references are going to come from the Gospel of John because that's what we're studying on Wednesday nights. Um, if you want to come out and learn more about God's Word and Gospel of John, come on and join us at 645 on Wednesday nights in our chapel. But there in John, the sixth chapter and the 27th verse, we have that the Father is recognized as God. Christ says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. God the Father. The Father is recognized as God. Some of you might remember when Jesus' disciples came to him and they wanted to know uh, how to pray, and they said, Master, teach us how to pray. Jesus said, Our I knew some of you read your Bibles. I'm so proud of y'all. Uh, Our Father. Because the Father, Heavenly Father, is recognized as God. But not only the Heavenly Father, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is recognized in Scripture as God. John 1, 1, 14 and 18. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 14, and the word became flesh, the logos became sarks, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. 18th verse says, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Jesus is recognized in Scripture as God. Oh, but, but then there's that other person. Uh, in the Trinity. The person some of them Baptist folk don't like to talk about. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is recognized as God. In fact, we ought, to be we ought to be excited over the fact that God, the Spirit, is recognized as God because it reminds us that the Holy Spirit that is, that is God is also in us. That is, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. He resides with you, which I love about it because that means there's no place you can go if you are in Christ Jesus where God won't go with you. 
Oh, I, I, I get it. I, I see it. I see it. I think I see why some of us are a little hesitant to respond there. Because that means then that God knows everything we do and everywhere we go. Mm. But the Holy Spirit is indeed within us. For John 14 and 26 says, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That when you are a child of God, when you come to God through Jesus Christ, God accepts you as a child, as his child. He accepts you as his own and he deposits within you his spirit so that everywhere you go, you'll never have to walk alone. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, I told you that, that there's plurality in God. We see how scripture has identified uh, the three persons of God. But I have to tell you that these, these persons, the personhood, the being of God, they're, they're also distinct in their being. For, for the Father and the Son are distinct persons. John 5 and 20, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel, Christ says. In other words, the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. But get this, the Father is fully God. The Son is fully God. The Spirit is fully God. Did they become God? No, they've always been God, eternally existent as God. So the Father and the Son are distinct from the Spirit. John 14, 16 through 17 verse. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. This is why it's important for you to come to Christ. Because when you come to Christ, you have the presence, the full presence of God active in your life. That when you come to him, you'll begin to know him. And the attributes that we see in God and the characteristics of God will, will impact our lives in godliness. But when you look at it, you see that even the persons of the Godhead always affirm each other. It is important to affirm that each person is completely and fully God. That means each person has the wholeness, the whole fullness of God. There's not a third of God in the Son. There's not a third of God in the Father. There's not a third of God in the Holy Spirit. Catch it now. The Father is fully God. The Son is fully God. The Holy Spirit is fully God. Don't get this thing twisted because we serve one God. Did you catch it yet? And that one God is available for us to be in relationship with him. But when you understand the function of the persons in the Godhead, then you realize then the Father glorifies the Son. That's in John 6 and 40. Christ says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Father glorifies the Son the Son honors the Father. Look at John 5 and 19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. And thirdly, the Spirit of God honors the Son. John 15 and 26. But when the Helper comes, 
who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth proceeds from the Father, he, Jesus says, will bear witness of me. I hope you get this, that in the relationship of the triune God, there's always unity. In the relationship of the triune God, there's always love. Relationship with triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is what we call perfect peace. There's never a contradiction that happens in the Godhead. They're always one because Jesus himself said, when you've seen the Father. Somebody, you know, your Bible's in here. You, you, you've seen me. That, that when you look at God, God is always united as one. In fact, the Trinity then goes to work. In Genesis, he works in creation. We saw that in Genesis 1. And John, uh, he works as a revelation of God's truth. Because this entire Bible that you have, the Word of God that we have, the meta-narrative of the Word of God is God. It's all about God. It's how God reveals himself to mankind, which means then if it's not backed up by Scripture, you ought not believe it as it pertains to the Word of God. If it's not backed up by Scripture and somebody tells you, oh, no, this is God and, and this is God, you got to go in your pages of Scripture and say, you know what? No, I see here clearly in the text that my God is one and he is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Through the, through the Son of God, I'm saved and redeemed from my sin. Through the Spirit of God, I'm empowered to live a godly life. Through the Father, I'm able to be redeemed by the righteousness of Christ. And when I have God, I have everything that I need. I, I feel <laughs> Let me slow down. I'm getting a little excited. I want to get excited. Make sure you get this. But the triune, the Trinity works together to provide our salvation as well as our sanctification. That when God is at work in our lives, then he is refining us. That we reflect that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I really want you to get this. Because when God is your God, you become a temple of the living God which means God lives in you. John 16, 13 through 15 says, When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, Christ says, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you, all that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Look with me at 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, beginning at the 4th verse. Now, these are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who emp empowers them all in everyone. To each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. What we're trying to get you to understand here is that when you have a relationship with God and you study the Word of God, God reveals himself as a triune God. Not three gods, but one God with three beings, and they are available to you to be in relationship with him. But hold on. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry... He came and was baptized in the Jordan. And when he was baptized in the Jordan, you saw the triune God at work. You saw Jesus being baptized, and he's ascending. You saw the, the Spirit of God descending. You heard the voice of the, God the Father affirming the Son, but that was at the beginning of the ministry. But come here for a second, because those who follow Christ at the latter part of his earthly ministry, just before he ascended to heaven, he looked at his believers, and he said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
we as a body of Christ have to understand the foundation of our faith so that we know what and who we believe. There's one other thing I want to point out to you, and that is in a Trinitarian relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, he teaches us that unity and love go together. So when you have Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of God as your guide, God the Father as your Heavenly Father, that which is connected through him is available to you. Don't get, me twi- don't get this thing twisted. I'm not talking about the attributes like his omnipresence and his omnipotence. I, I'm not, I mean, he is all persons, all personhood in the Godhead uh, have share the qualities of God. So Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Spirit, all are omnipresent, all are omnipotent, all powerful, omniscient. They know all things. But when you're connected to God, what God will allow you to have access to is what you also see in the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that is peace. That's joy. Oh, some of you know what I'm talking about here. Uh, that, that's, that's grace to continue on. When, when you have the Spirit of God working within your life, you have what comes from God. Jesus said it this way to his disciples. He said, my peace I give you, not as the world gives you, but my peace I give you. And Grandma said it, the world can't give it and the world can't take it away because it's the kind of peace that surpasses all understanding. And you get that when you get in relationship with God. If you're lacking joy, then check your relationship with God. Because between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's always joy. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And so if you need joy, you got to get in relationship with the true and the living God. God desires for us to be in relationship with him. But you got to know the truth of who he is. The Father, the creator of the world before the foundation of the earth, put into plan the salvation for each and every one of us. That the Son of God, Jesus Christ, would come and offer himself as a perfect sacrifice for each and every one of us. So that when we accept Christ Jesus, the Lordship of Christ, we didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I love it because Jesus Christ is our model, even in the Jordan, because if you see it that he's obedient uh, as he, he's working out for us, a model for us of righteousness, he's obedient because he's baptized in the Jordan, and immediately we see here that the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Come here, saying of God. When you come to follow Jesus Christ, guess what happens? And you walk in obedience, you'll see the Spirit of God come upon your life. He'll guide you, he'll guard you, he'll direct you, he'll protect you, oh, and he will correct you. I I just want to put that in there. And you ought not be fearful of the presence of God because when you truly learn who God is, you know that God is a God of love. And he draws us to experience his love when we come to know him for who he is. And he wants you to have a relationship with him, a real genuine relationship with him that can only come through Jesus Christ. I say you said I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And he came so that you could have access to eternal God. The relationship with God the Son so you can live your life empowered by God 
the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you to stand all over the building. Trinitarian doctrine is essential for each and every one of us. Because in this moment, I want to pray over you what Paul prayed over the believers in Corinth. I asked him to put it on the screen, 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter and the 14th verse. It says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is my prayer for you, that you know the Lord Jesus, and through him you experience the love of God, so you can have the fellowship of the Spirit of God to lead and guide your life. Today, it's time for us to evaluate. Do I have a relationship with this God? Have I truly declared my faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Is there evidence in my life, in the fruit of the Spirit, that the Spirit of God is at work within me? If you can't say yes to that question, then it's not too late for you to experience God for yourself. We know that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So I'm asking you to bow your heads all over the building. And if you have not said yes to the Lordship of Christ, if you're not in right relationship with Father God, if the, if the Holy Spirit's presence is not evident in your life, you're far from God. But today you can draw close by saying yes to him. So Father, as we bow in your presence, there's so many issues that we deal with from day to day, so many burdens and struggles that we encounter. And by ourselves, you know, Father, that we, we cannot do it alone. We need you. So now I ask, Father, that you would you touch the hearts and minds of your people, that we be drawn closer to you, that if there's anyone under the sound of my voice who, who haven't truly surrendered to you, that this would be the day that they say yes to you. They come to experience you as a heavenly father who, who loves us and, and gives us the righteousness of Christ, as a father who forgives us when we come to him and gives us the gifts of grace and your perpetual presence. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you shall do in this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org slash connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.